This episode of Spawned is brought to you by FabFitFun, a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products for $49.99 with a value of over $200. Use code COOLMOM for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's code COOLMOM at FabFitFun.com. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPix.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we are so thrilled to be chatting with Angela Santamaro, who you probably know as the mastermind behind shows like Blue's Clues and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. You know, nothing big, Kristen. <laughs> nothing that anyone's really heard of. But she's got a new book out that is amazing. It's aimed at helping parents raise smart, inspired, and engage kids in a screen-filled world. It's called Preschool Clues. And um, actually, we pulled that right from her book cover, so I think that's a really good description. A very accurate one, Liz. (laughs) And we're excited to have her join us. Yeah, and also, we will close out our show, as always, with our cool picks of the week. But... Wow. Okay. So if you don't know Angela from Blue's Clues and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, the the book itself is fantastic. I've been flipping through it, but let's just go through. They're super why. She's won a ton of awards. She's had 25 plus Emmy nominations. And I can't believe that she created Blue's Clues at just... 25 and still looks 25. That's completely not fair. Uh, Right? She is like one of those moms that makes us go, what have we been doing with our lives? We're not doing anything (laughs) important with our lives, Kristen. (laughs) So yeah, we're excited to talk about her new book because it takes readers behind the scenes of children's television to teach parents how healthy research-based media actually helps preschoolers flourish academically, socially, and emotional. So it's basically a no-judgment zone when it comes to screens, and we're going to talk about how it can be beneficial. So, Angela, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We have known you and followed your work forever and ever and ever, and so we're so happy to have you, and this is such an important topic right now. Ah, Thank you. I agree. I agree, and I've, of course, been following you guys, too, so (laughs) I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. We actually started a community on Facebook, a private community called Out Tech Your Kids. And I mean, I think this is just such a big topic. Our questions come in nonstop all day long about engaging kids when it comes to screens and what's right and how much is too much and how do I make it educational and should I feel guilty and should I do it with them? Like, I love that your book answers so many questions that I think parents have. Oh, well, thank you so much. We were on a little bit of a tour with PBS talking about Super Why way back when, and I really couldn't believe that parents were still talking about, like, should I let my child watch TV? You know, is it okay? Is it educational? How how do we know if it's educational? And so that kind of started me thinking. And then still, like, fast forward 15 years later, um, people were still asking those same questions. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to do something about this. And Linda Semensky at PBS said, well, if you don't write it down, someone else is going to. So um, I really wanted to just write down how much thought and detail and research that we put into media and that not to feel guilty Right. And and really kind of go through why and give a little bit of some of the behind the scenes scoop about why. Um, and so anyway, so it was one of those books where I was so thrilled to even and honored to be able to write it. And then it just came pouring out. I can't really imagine anyone else writing it. I mean, I know they always say that if you've thought of it, probably like five other people have. But just the, the breadth of your experience in this area, you know, and I, I think Liz would agree, makes you the person that we want to hear from. And you talk about it in the book, like you call the elephant in the room. This is 
what parents want to know. And they're still talking about, like you said, so to talk to us, like, should preschoolers be watching TV? Like, let's just go right there. <laughs> let's just yeah, talk so, about it. No, exactly. I mean, again, this is why I do what I do, right? So I know that I'm biased in the sense that this is my work, but I went into this because I wanted to educate kids. And I thought, okay, I could be a teacher, which I'm, I come from a family of teachers. And then I thought, what if I could put the best preschool curriculum on television, right? At the time, this was 1993, 94, right? Like what, what, what would that look like? And so that it started with research, right? So I'm really just a research geek at heart and wanting to use media as a tool, right? Like use that influential nature where we all wanted the Rachel haircut or, you know, like just literally use that to help us um, and to help preschoolers and give them a voice is really the empowering message that I've always wanted to get out there. And it kind of runs across all my shows. And so, yeah, of course, I truly believe and have research to back up that we can move the needle with quality content. Can, you know, I wish there were nutrition labels on the back of every show or every app or everything that we're doing with regard to screen time, but there isn't. And so how do we look at that? Not all content is created equal. Not all educational shows are actually educational, right? We have to be critical viewers and consumers and choose programs knowing your child, right? Literally how it's going to affect your child Um, and not to feel guilty. I just, I really do. We have enough to feel guilty about as parents. I just kind of want to eliminate that. Well, Plus you're a parent yourself. So you're also walking the walk, you know? I feel like I, I tend to trust content that comes from parents. Maybe it's my own bias. <laughs> then people, then things that come from non-parents, because I feel like you have like your own focus group right at home. <laughs> well, thank you. I think of that with everything, right? You know, like, <laughs> do you eat here? I want to trust you as a waitress if you eat here, or you know, I like your haircut. You can cut my hair. Oh yeah, um, that's that's an interesting right? way to look at it, but it's true. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people do that. I do that for sure. Yeah, no, I know my girls are seventeen and fourteen, and so it's definitely been one of those things where because I'm in the media, as soon as they aged out of my demo, I was like, all right, what am I going to do? And really what I did was try to teach them the critical viewing. So they gave me notes on scripts, right? They gave me notes on the animatic. They came in and saw how we do voiceovers. And, you know, I just wanted them to know that there's someone behind everything that they watch writing these stories. Like there are meetings that people are talking about this. And it was just a really interesting insight and also empowering, right? To realize that they have a voice with regard to that too. Um, Or they can change the ending of something or write in or talk to somebody. You know, I think that's kind of the approach that I took because as they got older, it is harder. You know, I focus on preschoolers in the book, um, but I do think a lot of the foundation applies to older kids because they're really just big preschoolers. (laughs) I agree with that. I think some adults are basically just preschoolers. Now, can I say you just mentioned that not all media is created equal. And you also said, you know, these shows don't have nutrition labels. And you know what? Cool Mom Picks and Cool Mom Tech, we try to help parents by featuring some of the stuff we feel is that we love for our kids. Of course, your stuff has been there. And we know there are other sites. A lot of parents use common sense media. But how do you determine what is high quality? What can you tell parents to look for? So I break it down into a healthy media smoothie, like a healthy green media smoothie. And so I'm look, we're looking for education, entertainment, and engagement. And that could come in a lot of different ways. And so I break that apart throughout the book as well. Um, because 
the idea of engagement, right? So this is like the protein in a smoothie, right? The idea that we want our kids sparked in some way. And it's either as a direct way where they're talking directly to the screen, like in a Blue's Clues, and we're trying to teach kindergarten readiness skills, or we use it in a bonding way, like with Daniel Tiger, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, because we want kids to feel the emotions that Daniel is feeling and learn how to use those life strategies. Um, but it could also be in a sparked way where they're just passionate about something or they want to view and do, we call it, watch something and get motivated to make a craft because of Creative Galaxy. You know, there are just things that we want kids to be able to take away from. So looking for that, looking for education is the first, of course, that's the greens. And then it has to be entertaining. I mean, you want your kids to be intrinsically motivated, right? Like they want to watch the show. And then, of course, they break those three things down a little bit further and a little bit further as you're thinking about shows for your child. And so I'm not saying you have to sit and watch shows with them all the time. I'm actually saying that we just have to be actively involved. It's kind of like we know what's in our kids' food. And so we just need to know what we're feeding their brains to. Ooh, that's a good analogy. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, you know, it's really clear you're passionate about preschoolers, which I think is amazing. And we both, you know, we both read the book, which is fantastic. And I think that your passion and commitment really comes through so authentically. But, you know, just flipping through it, we feel like it brought back a lot of the joy and fun in parenting all around and like not just kind of advice about screens, which is partly what makes it such a good read. Was that part of your goal? Yes. You know, it was interesting because I do it through media. So almost like I was a teacher in a classroom using the kids as examples of different things. Vivian Paley is a, um, an author that I love that wrote these amazing little stories about preschoolers in the classroom. And um, I kind of hand it out to people that start working with me to say this is like a child development course and so funny in a 101. But my shows are examples of how we want to respectfully communicate with preschoolers. What does that look like on a TV show and why does that matter, you know, and back it up with some of that research. And so what I found is that those universal truths about preschoolers become almost like a philosophy and a point of view, right? So the idea of pausing on TV for Blue's Clues, which we got a lot of slack. That as was did. revolutionary yeah, at the that time. Was a and big I don't know deal. if our listeners remember yeah. that, but the idea of pausing and having these long gaps so that kids could fill in answers and really engage. No one had ever seen that before. I mean, that was and then amazing. And that's, that's how Liz watches television with her family. <laughs> I do. I, I literally do. Liz Kristen pauses shows. <laughs> I pause shows in the middle and go, well, what do you think he meant by that? Like, we have Socratic dialogue. And my kids are tweens now, and we still do that. So I build in my own Angela um, I think you could TM. call it your blues, blues closing it, pause. Liz. Your blues closing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I am going to use that. Thank you very much. I love that. Well, no, and we've been screaming at the TV since like forever, right? right? Like that's like the joke about horror movies. We're like, why are you going down the stairs? You know, like we want to be there. We want to be part of it. And so that's kind of, that's what motivated me. It's like those egocentric preschoolers, but I feel the same way. I want to sit on the friend's couch in Central Perk, you know, like you just want to be there. <laughs> so we kind of turned everything around to, to be part of it. And then when I, you know, when I'm asked, why? Like, why is that important to you? And and then when I talk about building self-esteem, because you're part of this environment and it makes the writers and the researchers think about the child that's watching, we're, we're not putting on a play, I say a lot in meetings. Oh. We're hugging the child, right? We're circling the child. We know that they're watching. And so all of a sudden, you know, when I started to dig deeper about the why, it really started to come up about how we're using it with parenting, how I use it with my husband, how we use it with our friends, you know, what active listening really looks like. And what did you do with your own kids? 
kids. Because, like, Steve Jobs, no iPad. You know, you read all these things. Bill Gates, kids can't have a cell phone. Oh, and by the way, I don't believe that. I don't believe it either, but (laughs) you just hear it, right? Did did your kids watch? My kids love media as much as I do. They're critical viewers of it, thank goodness, in the sense of being able to, um, like, as they got older, it was so much harder to find shows, and we watched Gilmore Girls together, right? And so I was able to pause it, actually, and have conversations or talk about it from, look, this is the mom's point of view, freaking out that her daughter's not home yet. And we know that Rory's fine, but you know, she doesn't know that, you know, those kinds of conversations. Right. Um, and so we have all that practice with all that critical, you know, they would hate that I say that, that we were practicing, um, but that critical viewing, right. Um, and looking at that, but no, when they were preschoolers, they did, as you can imagine, watch Blue's Clues. (laughs) And then I was picky. I was just picky about what shows I wanted them to watch and then learn from and take from. And it was interesting because I actually remember a time when the kids were totally doing that sassy talk thing. Ah, yes. Um, You know, as much as I loved Full House, you know, and much as that was an interesting like we're pulling that for a little while and now there's fuller house <laughs> no I, re- I do remember actually we were watching malcolm in the middle with my kids a few years back and we were like oh this is so fun i mean i love consuming media watching tv and movies with my children i find that really enjoyable like we're a media family like you yeah, we're pop culture grounded and it's super fun and so the older they get the more we can kind of share stuff together although i mean I, look i love watching preschool stuff with them too we sang the wonder pets a lot together <laughs> so we started watching malcolm in the middle a couple years ago. And the thing is, it was meant to grow with you. So you watched it back then once a week. And, you know, each week, Malcolm got a little older and each season he got a little older and the topics got a little older and more provocative. Well, it wasn't made for us to binge the way we are doing today. And so what we realized was by the end of the summer, when we're up to like season five, they're like doing jokes about stripper poles. We're like, oh, 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 wait, wait. This is not what the what we thought it was. It's not how it started out. So I think there's actually something really special about children's TV in that it's not sequential in that same way and that kind of anytime you tune in you can count on it being appropriate there's something like really safe and comforting about it and when you leave that world and get to the sassy area like you're talking about it's like it gets a little scarier for parents to navigate right agreed and I think that that you know people ask all the time well are you shielding kids from reality and I think when they're two to five yes like I want them to trust in the world right like and so we talk a little bit about adult shows and and news and things like that, that we don't want the little ones to really be absorbing, even as background television, because there's research that shows that kids stop playing or their play is different. Um, And even if they don't show signs of being worried or nervous or stressed, that there are signs that they are taking it in, let's say. And so it might not be in that moment, but it will come out later. And so it's just best to kind of shield them from that when they're that young. But then as they get older, right, we have to open that boundary up a little bit more and a little bit more, right? Fenced in yard versus, you know, your neighborhood versus Versus, you know, and how to grow that. And it's the same with media, right? It's just opening those gates a little bit slower. I really like the way you put that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you carry your kids and then one day you're like, you can walk. And then one day you're like, you can walk without holding my hands. And then one day you're like, you can cross the street without me. Please be <laughs> safe. Please come home. Please go to college. And, yeah. <laughs> Lord, and then we're all wa- watching reruns of our favorite shows while they're gone because <laughs> we're too depressed right. to do anything else. Let's just yeah. binge watch. Our kids are gone. Okay, so in Preschool Clues, <laughs> Raising smart, inspired, and engaged kids in a screen-filled world. You talk about the yes list and how parents should go about creating one. And I know you talked about high-quality television. Is this something that, you know, it's hard to go back and forth with preschoolers, but as your kids get older, is this something where you can go back and forth with your kids in terms of the yes list? Like, how do parents decide? I think, I feel like it might be a little easier with preschoolers, but... 
for those of us with older kids, you know, like the sassy shows and all that kind of stuff, do, are they involved in the conversation? How do you navigate that? You know, I think being aware, right? So we're knowing what our kids are watching. So if they're watching 13 Reasons Why, we're having a conversation about it, right? And oh, we're yeah. Right? And we're watching a theme. We're watching to see how much of those kinds of shows are they watching or what are they getting out of it or why or how is it sparking them? What kinds of conversations? You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, and I do think that it's harder. I think from a media yes list has to be evolving and it really is trying to focus on the positive versus the negative, right? Because again, I want to stop the guilt and think that there's all these don'ts that we have to do as parents. But the idea that, again, it always goes back to food with me, but that idea of filling the cupboard with food that you're fine with your kid eating, and it just doesn't matter, you know, in that sense of like how much they're eating of it, let's say, because what's in the cabinets are, you know, or what's in the fridge is all good foods for them. Or there's, you know, when you go to a birthday party or you go something else somewhere else, then you can eat those other kinds of foods potentially. And it's the same thing with the media list, right? So you're like, okay, these are the shows that we think are appropriate as we continue to grow. And it was harder when they were tweens in the sense of things like Hunger Games or things that they weren't ready for at 10 or nine that other kids kids were already um, doing. And it was just an emotional call, right? It was just something we didn't think that they were ready for emotionally. And so we had to talk about what it was about so that they could part of the conversation at school without having to have jumped in and dove into the material. You yeah, know? that's smart. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I really think that Okay, this is a little judgy, but I think people that are kind of all or nothing black and white about TV and say no TV until your kids are six, I really think you're leaving them in like a cultural black hole that hurts kids when they get older. Like kids share uh, social currency through pop culture. And I mean, I know people like adults my age who grew up not being allowed to watch TV. And to this day, they feel like really frustrated or left out or disappointed they can't like have the same conversations with a lot of their peers so it doesn't mean that parents are bad if they say no tv until you're 10 or whatever or we only listen to npr and watch documentaries on pbs like that's fine parents have to make their own choice but i do think there is something to be said for allowing your kids to watch what they're ready for to be able to connect with their friends in some way it's like the, the peer pressure thing right <laughs> well exactly and it's our job to teach them critical skills right yes. so by just abstaining from all of it what are they learning, right? That it's bad. I feel like it's much more important to teach them how to think about it. I remember when they started watching commercials, right? Because we were the DVR generation, right? So we were able to DVR certain shows when my kids were little, right? And then they were at my in-laws house and they saw commercials for the first time and they were like, oh my God. And it was so <laughs> it was so funny, right? Because then we're like, all right, look, all those cute little cartoon characters, if you find them on your cereal, they're trying to sell you the cereal. Um, and so we have to like figure that out. And that, you know, it just became those kinds of conversations, right, that we have and learning from it in the way that they can then do it for themselves as they get older. So it's that kind of conversation, right, that they have to have those skills to ask questions, to figure out what's exciting to them, to learn how to find the media, because now it's Netflix all the time, right? And they have to curate their own media in a lot of ways. And and this idea of critical thinking, I'm I'm just so glad you brought that up, because that's it in a nutshell, Kristen. That's why we pause the TV. Because I know there's some things that are like too intense for Sage, who's 11, but I know that we can also pause the TV and stop and talk about it. And it kind of like takes away some of that tension, but allows her like the joy of experiencing the show and having conversations about it and understanding it in a critical way. So I I think that's great. No, it's huge. You you have to know your kids, but it's also good to teach. You have so much fuel now for your Blues Cluesing. I mean, you have the (laughs) co-creator of Blues Clues telling you to pause. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because on on the other side of that, you know, I think it's important, critical thinking and also self 
self-knowledge, like knowing yourself and your boundaries. And, and this, yeah. t- you know, this is for adults and yes. for kids. Like I have a couple of kids who are super anxious. We call it a sticky brain. And basically whatever they see uh-huh. is stuck in their brain for like ever and ever. Uh-huh. And if they see something that's scary or that's really not age appropriate for them, um, it's there forever. And they just roll it around in their head over and over. And so some of the things that their peers are watching are just not right for them because of whatever the anxiety is. And so yes. I talk to them about that all the time. And I'm like, you have to know yourself. Are you going to have nightmares when you watch this? Are you going to be able to not think about this when it's over? Because I have a sticky brain too. And I, there are things I just can't watch. So that's one thing that I yeah, talked about. Sage hasn't about. seen Infinity Wars yet. And she's been begging and begging and begging. And so she is the only kid in her school who hasn't seen Infinity Wars. But I know her and it's very emotional, intense movie. And her sister's ready and she's not. And so, yeah. you know, we have to draw the line somewhere. You have to know Well, your and it's kids funny because my 14-year-old hates romantic comedies because there's usually the awkward, super awkward tension. Oh. So like, for example, like Meet the Parents is like one of my least favorite movies. Like I can't even get through it because the tension that that awful humor makes me kind of want to die <laughs> i just so can't funny. take it and she's the same way but you she don't like cringe humor things. though like larry so. david you don't like cringe yeah humor. cringe humor. I, I like well, everything well it's because i find it the pot that so i have one of those kids too and i and the sticky brain is such a great that's a great thing to think about i always say it's overly empathetic mm-hmm. right oh, so yes. my kids were over like overly empathetic like even watching the stepsisters be mean to cinderella which i thought was probably the easiest the less scary of all the Disney movies when they were little, they worried for her Cinderella Aww. that they were being yeah. so mean to Total her. Total There was that just complete empathy. Yeah. And so they knew, right? They had to learn which things were not appropriate for them, right? Because yeah. they were the ones who'll have to deal with that feeling. It's the same thing, right? As they get older. And it's the same thing with food. Like they needed to learn for themselves that eating too many French fries was going to give them a stomach ache, you know? Um, and they learn, they, you know, learning that is a really huge thing for them as they, as they navigate as teenagers, right? I think that's great. And it also kind of takes the guilt away from parents. Like we may not always a hundred percent make the most perfect choices, but like there's always a less to be learned or something good that can come out of it and we can shape it to our benefits. Yeah, the teaching moments like when your kid won't go to sleep for a week because you let them watch whatever, Star Trek or whatever it was the last time. <laughs> I was like, I think you can do it. And then clearly, no, he couldn't do it. Princess Bride. Princess we Bride. We did an episode of Spawned yep. called You Made Me Watch Death, Mom. Yeah, that's what my because, son said to me, Angela. Yeah. He's like, why did you make me watch death? <laughs> I'm like, it's the Princess Bride. It's funny. <laughs> Everybody likes the Princess Bride. Pride. Isn't that the worst when we share them some, something from our childhood and you didn't quite remember exactly, exactly. all the details yes. and then yeah. you're like, wait, no, 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 we loved this. This was good. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. You, you, oh, gosh. Anyway. All right. So, so in your book, it's like preschoolers are th- th- like these years are formative. And we've talked a lot about older kids, but what are a few things that parents can be doing with their preschoolers, whether it's related to media? I mean, you talk more than just media because you are an expert in the preschool age. So what can parents be doing with their kids to, you know, encourage them, you know, make it fun, make life awesome with those youngers in, the, in their house? Oh, I love that question and so many answers to it. But I think it's really, I love the idea that we're using this preschool age to see what sparks them, um, to see what 
what they're passionate about. And of course, it evolves and it changes, but really interesting to watch them play, to get some information from the way that they play and what they play. Um, and when I talk about media, I want to use it as a tool, right? I want to turn it around. So we use it when they're little, right? Because we need to empty the dishwasher or we need to do something else. But also we can use it with regard to like, they had such a bad day because they had a problem sharing in preschool. I'm going to find that episode with Daniel Tiger that had sharing in it. Um, and I'd love to figure out a way to make that easier for parents to know which episodes have those kinds of things in it. But then they can have that as a visual reminder of, okay, this is a peer modeling. This is how Daniel did it. And now it's sparking a conversation with me. It just makes things easier when you can be on that same page and you have that emotional impact, right? With a visual, with a character that you love. I think the view and do is really exciting and fun. Like again, like whatever it is that you're doing that gets them sparked to then have something else to, for them to go to, right? So when they're really little and we say, okay, you're doing an hour of screen time and an hour of play. Um, with mm. Super Y, we used to find that that kids were constantly inspired to go find all the different like um, Little Red Riding Hood or, you know, Three Little Pigs books that are there, all the fractured fairy tales after they'd watch an episode. And so those kinds of things that you can just kind of use it as a springboard. Um, but they're so smart, right? It's preschoolers, I love this age. So the pausing also, I would just say that when we have that blank space after asking a question, they come up with the most interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sometimes, you know, it becomes so automatic, like, how is school? Good, you know, and you just kind of keep, not that, you know, we don't do it on purpose or, you know, when I watch my mother sometimes with the, when they were little, I'd be like, just pause for just a minute. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay Aww. that there's some silence because they're going to say such interesting things. Kids are our teachers. Yeah. And nowadays it's hard to have that silence, I feel like, because we're there's such information overload. My kids have trouble with silence sometimes. And I'm not saying like quiet. I mean, just like those pauses, you know, like, what are we doing next? What's happening next? What are we doing next? And I feel like a lot of the magic happens, not just for preschoolers, but for kids of all ages in those quiet times, in those those moments where there's really nothing going on. It, it gives them a chance to think. Oh, exactly. And that's why I think this book is going to be so helpful for yes. so many parents, because it really is about navigating all these kinds of issues because the reality is screens are not going away and so we have to learn how to live with them and tame them and make them our friends. Right, and use them (laughs) as a springboard for activities and for other things that get your kids hands-on, you know, cooking or doing a craft or doing something else just so that it's, we're using it to motivate something else potentially, right? So we're not ignoring it, but we're using it in the way that we want. I think that's wonderful. But Angela, I've got to ask you just one more question and then we're going to go to Cool Picks of the Week. So, did you ever think that Steve from Blue's Clues had it in him to be the shaven head rock and roll front man for Steve in the Struggle? Did you see that in him? Was that just a thing you were like, I could see this guy being a totally different guy than what everyone sees you, on TV? You know, Did you he, know? Can I just say, he is so ridiculously talented that you, this is going to sound really funny. Like I bet that if he used his mind and took a step, he could do anything he wanted to do. But it's true. Like, he really... He's he's a cool guy. He studied for this part. And, you know, we're looking for the next Steve um, now. And we've seen over 2,500 people. Whoa. And it's hard. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, he's pretty cool. So, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, good. that's also a good tip for um, our listeners that have sons in their 20s or so with <laughs> educational and acting backgrounds. Right. <laughs> Keep that's an eye correct. out for Angela's casting calls. Yep. Girls are boys. Girls. Oh, hey. Ooh, girls, hey. too. I want to be 42-year-old oh, really Steve. 
<laughs> All right. So listen, folks, you can find Preschool Clues, raising smart, inspired, and engaged kids in a screen-filled world at your local bookstore, anywhere where you buy books. And folks can find more from Angela at AngelasClues.com. You are everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Angela's Clues. And after the book, can you tell us, is there something new and exciting that we need to look forward to from you? Anything that you can talk about? Um, we have a new show coming out on Netflix called Charlie's Colorform City. Ooh. We have more more Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, more Creative Galaxy. And yeah, the new Blues Clues is coming out next year. That's so exciting. Oh my awesome. gosh, a lot going on. I don't know how you sleep. You are amazing, Angela. <laughs> Thank you. I have a great team, of course. And generous too. Well, hey, we'll be back with Cool Picks of the Week right after this. So, Liz, yes, Kristen. I have been using a lot of the stuff that I got from our sponsor, Fab Fit Fun. And I know you can't see me right now. Yeah. But can you just imagine how glowy my skin is? Because I What been, have you been liking the best? I've been using that scrubber. The, oh, the Foreo. Oh, I know. We're obsessed with the like vibrating Foreo face. Yeah, you vibrator. can hear it. Here it is. <laughs> I'm using it on my face I right hear now. It. Do you hear that? Yeah, I love it. In fact, I can't believe that my children haven't stolen it yet because they tend to steal all of the best stuff. I've had to hide all the stuff in the FabFitFun box is full size. Do you know what? Speaking of full size, yes. my favorite thing that I've gotten the most use out of so far yes. is that amazing microfiber, huge oversized beach towel because it's got pineapples all over it. It's super cute and on trend. And my kids have been using it for all their end of school year picnics oh, and that's like going out brilliant. in the lawn and with friends. Yes. Yeah, because it's really soft, not like scratchy like towels, yeah. and it's big, and I will be lucky if I ever see it again. <laughs> yeah. But like that alone would probably be worth $49.99. Literally, no, you're right. Like that nice a towel, and yet the whole box is $49.99. It's which crazy. Is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So you get four of these in a year, so it's like fun to look forward to in the mail because we're sick of getting bills. So like four times a year, you get this big, beautiful box full of stuff, and the brands that they have are awesome. Kate Somerville, Dr. Brandt, Juice Beauty, I mean, Trina Turk, Millie, Michael Stars. It's Michael Stars, my favorite t-shirt. Yeah. It's really good. It's really high quality stuff, really cute, fun stuff. And I like the kind of stuff that I wouldn't necessarily buy for myself. Exactly. But I always kind of wish someone would get for me. And that's kind of like what FabFitFun does. They're like, here, here's a gift for you that you wouldn't buy for yourself. Yeah. Here's a gift for you and you and you. You can feel like Oprah, Liz. <laughs> but you know what? You can buy it for yourself. Yes. And you can even get $10 off your first box. Just go to FabFitFun.com and the $49.99 box will be only thirty nine ninety nine. You're so good you. at math, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Just use coupon code COOLMOM at fabfitfun.com. Save $10 on your first box. It'll have a value of over $200. you will only be paying $39.99 for that first box. I say go for it. And I do too. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Angela, you're our guest. We'd love to hear your cool picks. So the one thing that I feel like I can't live without that I um, listen to all the time, either on the train, coming home from work, before I go to bed, is the Deepak Chopra Oprah meditation app. Oh. 
That is awesome. I, I don't know about I this, don't either. But we love meditation yes, apps. Yes, we do. And it's a positive affirmation app. So you get a little bit of like Oprah talking to you, which I love. And then um, Deepak takes over and there's a lot of self-affirmations, right? So depending on whether or not you want to be your best self or um, have better, you know, creative thinking, opening up your, they're all different ones that you can be listening to. And there's some that are paid. There are times where they're available for free and you listen to them every day, but it just really helps center me, focus me for the day. I can just imagine falling asleep to open my ear going, you get a car. You get a car. <laughs> He's very inspirational. I love it. That's a great pick. Yes. I love it. I can't wait to look it up. Kristen, how about you? What's your Okay. Pick? So I was making my monthly pilgrimage to Ulta, my local Ulta, and uh, the lovely gentleman there convinced me to try powder foundation. Um, Angela, you probably heard on Spawn, we, I talk a lot about BB cream. I'm like a big, huge BB cream mm-hmm. person. So because I've always thought my skin was too dry for powder foundation. However... He convinced me to buy the very expensive powder foundation and a primer, and I am converted. Liz, I'm a convert. Really? Powder. Have you ever tried powder foundation? Ever? Uh, no. See? I don't think so. See? I've always thought my face was too dry. It turns out it's great yeah. because I don't like a lot of coverage. So you put this... You uh, The one he gave me was Mally, and he didn't give it to me. The one I paid a million dollars for. Oh, Mally's for. a good brand. Yeah. Mm. So I put moisturizer on, then the primer, and then I just put the powder on. And I have to say, it like smooths out my skin without completely covering everything up. I like to have my freckles come through. And I'm a convert. Like I haven't used my BB cream that I swear by for a month now. So anyway, that's my pick. Mally Powder Foundation. And if folks have other brands that they've loved they can hit us up on uh, you know on twitter and facebook and let us know but that's my cool pick what about you liz i love that okay so mine oh i love this we're going from like the mind to the face to the body now so okay so um a pr guy who i love said i really want you to try out this service called Gwynny B. Have you heard of this? No. And I've never heard of it, but apparently other people have heard about it because I've been telling everyone I know about it. <laughs> so it's basically like a very inexpensive Rent the Runway meets Netflix old school. Oh. So it's basically like a subscription service. Okay. You pay a monthly fee and then you kind of stock a closet of six or more items like dresses that they have in there or, you know, seasonal clothes that you want to try out or accessories. And then you get to keep out two at a time and return it whenever and then they send you the next one. That's awesome. And it's really cool. It's like Columbia House without the CDs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, like remember Netflix would like send you, you could get like two DVDs at a yes, time. Yes, I remember. Whenever, and then, yeah, it's just like that. And then you can even buy the dress off them really cheap. So it's not like Rent the Runway. You're not going to see high designer brands. Okay. There's like Catherine by Catherine Malandrino. There's Mod Cloth. There's a few things. So a few things I sent back right away. And then... As soon as you send it back, they've already sent you another one. Like, they cross in the mail. It's so great. And Kristen, two of the dresses I love so much, I'm buying off of them. Oh, And I thought I would not like this service. Super and picky. here I am with two cheap dresses. All right. So I'm right. super psyched. It's really cool. It's called Gwynny B. We will link it up. You know what? I'll actually, like, link up my referral code Ooh. because then I think you get, like, a free, oh, I don't nice. know, 30 days free and $10 off your first month. Okay. So anyway, this is totally not sponsored. It's just something I tried. Thought I would hate, loved, and so it has to be my cool. 
Bowl Pick of the Week. Those are I'm always surprised. the best. Those are always the best. And of course, we should remind everyone, we're going to link up Angela's book. We'll link up all of these things we talked about on the show on our podcast page over on Cool Mom Picks. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for what we hope was another informative, helpful, and fun episode of Spawned. And huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Yeah, we love hearing from you. Everybody, leave us a review on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe. You can do that right now while you're listening. And don't forget, download and save our episodes. It helps other people find us. The more we the merrier. We should come up with a jingle, Kristen. That like, tells you what to do. That's like, leave a review, subscribe, download. That's terrible. It doesn't rhyme or anything. And it has no <laughs> melody. But you know, that but better. Yes. Let's okay. work on that for next week. Next John, maybe John, our engineer, will come up with one for us. <laughs> next time. And can, can I just say, when, when we were talking to Angela, I had this thought, because you know, she mentioned like watching Friends and people like all wanted, you know, the Rachel haircut. Yeah. But then yeah. I was like, thank God our kids were, they were all watching Mr. Rogers, which is, you know, Daniel Tiger is pulled from that. No one was like, I want Lady Elaine's haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I just couldn't help. I had to say that. But anyway, really thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.